Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. I want to say thank you. Lord, we give you all the praise. We bless your name for what you have done. We thank you for what you will do. Father, I will say let your name be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we keep going into your word, Father, Lord, we pray you will reveal yourself again. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So we just wanted to talk initially, just to kind of, you know, reiterate what has been said around the um, the Bible study day. You know, it would be a very informal kind of setting uh, because I know at times what they call it workshop, where they think it's something that is. Uh, it would be very informal. It would be it would be a free a free atmosphere where you know that people will be able to hear pray and um, you know pray and do all sorts of things and we don't know what god has in mind you know i think one of the times we had it we had dio dio came in one of the days um you know and it was it was quite it was quite interesting because when i walked I, I think i was out i wasn't here when he came in but when i was out i was hearing somebody pray with i think one of those baba in Uruki, and things like that i know and you know the those are things that you know I, I appreciate those kind of atmosphere and environment. Because that when he was praying, you know, he was literally on the floor praying and you know, leading people in prayers, and which was which was uh, which was interesting, you know. Um, and that is the joy I see you know, when I see me, when I you know people like that around me, you know, bring me so much joy. Reason being that this was the same person that you know. Literally, just before he came to church and led the congregational prayers and things like that, he was coming from Buckingham Palace because he had a program the next day that Prince Andrew attended and things like that, you know. So he, this is, you know, and when you look at some of these programs, you see a vice president, I think that was a time when you know, vice presidents coming and things like that, when he's organizing programs, and he's, he's quite young. And things like that, and you know. But when he's praying, you know, he prays as if <laughs> you would think that you know. But that is just him. And that day, you know, things and things like that, you know. And and I think he was. I think that day maybe maybe he, he had his private chauffeur that brought him here that day. And you know, and that is the way it ought to be. You know, when you come before God, you are you know you are just you are nobody. It doesn't matter who you are. You get that you can wake up, you can stand up and go and meet the Queen of England to have a coffee with her and things and things like that. But that is the way I believe, you know, um, the heart of God is. You know, it, it doesn't really matter who you are. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, as we 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 would we would we are looking at this topic, you matter. You matter. You know, when you are playing in chess. You would discover that there are some, is it the queen or, or you know, those, there are particular ones that determine how other, other they, they determine the play as it were. They determine the play as it were. 
And the mind of God is to under, for us to understand really that you matter. You matter. But I will start off by looking at, you know, when we look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33, the Bible says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And I, I highlighted the word mustard seed. He said, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest seed, yet it, when it grows, it is, the it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. Now, what he's saying is that I, I, I talked about this some time ago in church when I brought the mustard seed for everybody to see it. The mustard seed, you cannot, you know, it's difficult for you to even pick it with your hand. One of it is so tiny that, you know, you, you can see it, but you just see it, you know, it can basically at the tip of your finger. But when a mustard seed becomes, have you seen a mustard, I, I showed us the last time when a picture of a mustard tree is like what you may call, is a very big tree. A mustard seed is quite big, but what makes, brings out that tree is so tiny. So the Bible is saying that see, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, the things that determine, that change the course of situations are not things that you think is as big. So he now said again, which may be one that we may be familiar with. He said, he told them, still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. When a woman, that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour, until it works you. So when you, when you are you know when you are when you are um, making um, what's it called baking a, a bread or whatever it is, the yeast is quite very small compared to the flour. But by the time you put the yeast in it, it has the ability to influence everything. And Jesus was trying to tell his disciples. He was saying to them, see. This is what the kingdom of God is like. When the kingdom of heaven is about to walk, this is the way by which it walks. But the challenge at times is that we assume that if you are going to deal with something, you have to have equal um, stature to be able to deal with it. But that's not the kingdom of God. An example you would see in scriptures is David and Goliath. There was no, there was no, there is no correlation in the two. Because when the kingdom of God walks, that's the way it walks. So, having said that, as as to start out, let's go to Matthew chapter five, verse thirteen to sixteen. Jesus said, talking to his disciples, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it can, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown 
out and trampled under the foot. Or it was trampled under the foot. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people, neither do people put light, put a light, uh, light a lamp and put it under the under the bowl. Instead, they, they they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and be glory to your Father in heaven. Now, when Jesus said, "You are the light of the world." You are the salt. What he's saying is that there is no other light or salt available to the heart except, Christ, except you as a Christian. If he has said you are a salt, that means he's saying that there are other salts everywhere. If he had said that you are a light, then that means he's saying that see, your own is not peculiar. But when he says you are the light, you are the salt of the earth. What he's saying is that a lot depends on you. He's, he, you know, Jesus said, Jesus said that he said, Jesus said that as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what he said. So when he was leaving, he said, Now you are now the light. In the world, please go back to the. We, we just have it at the back of our mind when we begin, when I started by saying Jesus was Jesus was saying the kingdom of God are not things that you think are so powerful that determine the environment. So when Jesus said, "You are the light, you are the the, the you are the light, you are the salt," we will come back to that. But you know, as as I, I just wanted to just quickly say also that. That before Jesus came to that vaste team and began to talk and make declarations by saying, You are the light, you had it is important to know what Jesus dealt with before he got there. Because if you don't, and this is one of the things that I am also learning in scriptures, is that if you just pick up something and you work with that principle, if you don't understand how what Jesus said to get there. It would it could become you know you you would you would miss the points. So if you go to verse one, verse one says the verse one says when he said now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down, and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So that means that when Jesus was saying you are delight. He wasn't gathering everybody. The Bible says, after the whole crowd came, he now went up to the mountainside and his disciples came. So, this teaching is not for everybody. Does that make sense? It's not for everybody. It is for his disciples. Now, the Bible says his disciples came to him. Excuse me, what was happening to the whole crowd? I thought they were following Jesus. 
Why did they not come up to the mountain? Did Jesus say, no, it's only disciples? Because as you begin to see certain teachings of Christ, people, you know, people separate themselves. You know, these ones are here for me. They are not here to come and hear, <laughs> you know, and things like that. So, you know, and Jesus, and that is why you will see at times when Jesus is teaching, there are certain things, that, and this is also a challenge. When we teach scriptures to everybody, I see everything that Jesus is talking about. He's talking to everybody. But whereas, when you begin to follow it, he separated certain people before he began to speak certain things to them. Now, I would not read that because we read that in the scriptures, in the, in the Bible lesson. But if you now read from verse 2 to 12, you discover that he talks about what is called the Beatitudes. So, basically, before I go to verse 13, he's talking about the Beatitudes, which is blessed are the poor in the spirit. Now, if you are not poor in the spirit, when I mean poor in the spirit is that you are, you know that the only thing that can make you better off is Jesus. You don't have strength in yourself. If, if, if somebody teaches you you are the light of the world, you become arrogant. Does that make sense? If somebody says, you matter, at the end of that sermon, you end up arrogant. Because they did not start from where Jesus started. Does that make sense? So Jesus went on and said, blessed are the meek. Who are the meek? Those who want to be taught, who are humble. You see where Wala comes, when people, you, know, you can teach people scriptures and they will end up, you know, God help us in Jesus' name. You know, he said, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the clean in heart, blessed are, are peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted for the sake of righteousness, blessed are those who hunger and test after righteousness because they shall be few. So, I just needed to just touch base on that for you to understand that those are the basis by which Jesus started now introducing, making a declaration. You know, all these ones, he was not the he said, you are now the light of the world. But he had already told them, you know, make sure that as you progress in your Christian work, you are always seeing yourself that he, except for Jesus, you are always, you are always hung, you, you hunger after, after, after righteousness. You are seeking to see justice done. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you can now go to verse 13 that says that you are the salt of the world. So what is the work of the salt. You know, um, the, the work of the salt is to preserve. In those days, they use, when something is, is, is getting bad, they use salt to preserve it. So that means that when you are the salt of the world, what God is saying is that I am sending you to stop 
the decadence to when, when the devil is the way the devil is rampaging, you will be the one that will try to put a stop. You see, okay, let me put it this way. The salt does not put a stop. Finally, to, it only preserves it. It only preserves it. One of the things that the salt also does that it makes you it makes a food, it makes food tasteful. So when you put salt in a, in a place, even though that food may not, you can eat it because it is salted. And at times, the truth is that the reason why God, and I'll show you two scriptures, why God is still visiting some nations is because of the salt in that nation. The reason why God is still visiting some families is because of a child of God in that midst. So that is the salt that is making that food eatable for God. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. If that person is taken out, then you will see that that food, actually God is not interested in it. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And being the light of the world also, you know, it is, it is showing people direction to God. See, no matter how, let's just read um, a scripture, Philippians chapter 2, from verse 12 to 16. It said, therefore, dear friends, as you have obeyed, as, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence, but in, now, much more in my absence. Continue the work, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. So, in verse 14, as he said, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you become blameless and pure. Children of God without, with, without fault in, in a rap, in a in a rapt and crooked generation, another version will say, in a perverse generation, then you would you would shine you would you would shine like stars, in the you will shine like stars in the in the sky. So basically, when when maybe the NLT will say it says you shine like stars in this among this bad generation, you will be the light in that place. Now, let me just put it a little bit closer as I begin to draw this to a, to, 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 to a point. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, from verse um, 6. The Bible says, And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Who is talking about? He's talking about the Antichrist. He said, for the secret of, of for the secret power of lawlessness, on that version will tell you, maybe the King James Version will call it iniquity, is already at work. But the one who but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom Jesus whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of, of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of, splendor of his coming. So what he's saying here is that 
the power of Satan is already at work. But there is one that is holding him back until the time when that thing that's holding him back is taken away. Then he will now have the opportunity to be revealed. And the Bible now says that then Jesus will come. What does that speak to you? The end time. The church will be raptured. Then the Antichrist will now have a free reign until when Jesus comes. Or brings down his second coming. No, there will be the first coming that will be called to judgment afterwards. So what am I trying to say? No matter how you think the world is going bad now, the first holding it back is the church. The first holding it back is the church. Let me show you the impacts of the church also in this way. Revelations chapter 8. Revelations chapter 8. I'm reading from verse 3. It says, Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayer of all God's people. And on the, on the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it down to the head. There, there came pearls and and uh, pearls of thunder, rumblings and flashes of fire and earthquake. Then the, then the seven, then, then the seven angels who had the seven trumpet prepared to blow them. The first angel sounded the trumpet and there was hail, fire mixed with blood, and it was huddled down to on the heart, and the third of the heart was burnt up. The third, a third of the trees was burnt up as, as a on. What am I trying to point out there? What am I trying to point out is this. The first thing that was taken away and thrown out was the prayer of the righteous. Before that prayer was before God continually, then the Bible says that when the end time is about to start, the first thing that will be done is to get rid of the prayer of the righteous. So what he's saying is that the, the church will be taken out of the way. As soon as the church is taken out of the way, then you will begin to see things in a different dimension. Does this make sense to us? That is why Jesus was saying to us in Matthew chapter 18 from verse 18 to 20, he said, I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, again, truly I tell you, where two or more agree about a thing on earth, about anything they have on, on earth, about anything they have for, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying that, you know, you determine what happens. 
Everyone is only waiting to respond to the prayers of the church. Everyone is only waiting to respond. He said, you know, the Bible says, and, and, and I'm just trying for you to get to a point where, you be, where we begin to see that you matter. What the devil tries to do is to make you feel by challenges and situations that you don't matter. Because he knows the day you can stand up and say, you know, I am taking charge of, of situations. No matter how long it takes, you are not giving up. So you will see again, as we read on Revelation chapter 5 verse 10, Jesus said, sorry, um, he, he was recorded and said, said, I said, you have made them to be kings and priests, to serve God. And please note, he said, they will reign on the earth. What is, how do they reign on earth? What does it mean to reign? It means to control, to determine what happens. To determine what happens. Then how do they do that? Is verse 10. Let's go to verse 8, please. He said, and he had taken, and, sorry, and, and when he had taken it, four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one of them had harp, each one of them had a harp, and they were holding a golden bowl full of incense. Which are the prayers? So basically, you know, I've I've shared this before. I said the Bible says that the twenty-four elders, what they are, the only thing that they can use to do worship is our prayers. I say, thank God, there is no leaning on that Christian on that because. <laughs> The elders will be sleeping because there will be nothing to offer. <laughs> because if you <laughs> you remember to pray the money, you don't pray the afternoon, or you just you know they'll be like, what's happening? You know, you turn them to Nigeria where <laughs> nothing is working because everybody's here. <laughs> Thank God help us in Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says, see, at times we talk about the 24 elders. You know, actually, they're actually depending on you to do their job. That's what he says. He says, he says they had a harp and they were holding the bowl full of incense, which were the prayer of, of God's people. So when they are bowing down and they are presenting an offering before God, it is your prayers that they are presenting before. See, I was meditating on something. When you read the Bible, you discover that what we call prayer requests at times, if everything is converted to worship, it is a request for you, but everything is converted to worship. Because what comes before God is not God, it is worship. It is his response to that worship that becomes an answer for you. Does that make sense? It is response to that worship that comes an answer for you. So, what I'm still, what I'm trying to point out is this: is that 
the prayer of the righteous, how they reign is when they are able to take charge on the altar of prayer. On the altar of prayer. Colossians chapter 1. Just quickly. Now this is just, I'm just trying to, to, for us to see where, how God, how God, I don't know, how the structure is. The Bible says the, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that is Jesus. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things are be created through him and for him. Yes, sir. He now said, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is the head of the body, the church. So the Bible is saying that everything is held together by, by God, by, by Jesus. But the Bible is not saying that the hands by which he holds all those things, you know, how he holds things together. See, when, you're, when I'm holding things together, I'm holding things with my hand. When you want to talk about my body, my body starts from here, downwards. So if I'm going to hold things together, it has to be through the church. I made, I made an illustration one day when I was saying that it is, at times, the, the body of Christ is like a man that is bedridden. His head is saying, do this. But the hand can't. No matter how intelligent that head is, if the body will not do anything, it is impossible. Now, if God had put Jesus in this structure, I see that Jesus is the head. We are the body. That is where that is why you would see as somebody is in the spirit or things like that, God is saying, Do this. You would think that why can't he not go out and do it by himself? Because you are the body. You know, I don't know if you have ever seen you are in the church service and somebody's in trance. God is saying, something is happening. Stand up and pray. You will not think, ah, why can you not just do it? Must we stand up to pray? Because he is the head. And the body is the one that carries out the actions of the head. So the Bible says that, the Bible says that, and... <clears throat> He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of, is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So that everything might, he might have supremacy. How is he going to have supremacy? Through the church. Through the church. And we were doing, we were talking about this Bible study. Jesus is the head. We are the body. There are principalities and powers underneath the feet of the church. And the world is underneath. Does this make sense to us? 
So we have Jesus is standing overhead of all principalities and power. But the way by which he stands on it is through his body. That's why Jesus would say that cast out demons. Jesus would say that, you know, in my name they will do this. And see, when you are dealing, when we are dealing with it, it's important that we understand that there are two dimensions to everything that you see. There is, see, when, and I, I will show you this from um, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. The Bible says, that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn. What's, what, what's talking about? The physical thrones. Because the firstborn is the one that would take over from the fathers. So he said, both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods. For those who don't understand how, why, why, why it was ten plagues. The reason why it was ten plagues was that they were worshipping those ten different gods. So when God was dealing with each one, he was striking down. That's why the last one that he struck down was not Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's throne. But he was dealing with each God. So what God was saying is that, this is what the scripture was saying is that, when you see a system in a country, or when you see a system going on, aside from the physical aspects, there is a spiritual backing behind it. There is a spiritual backing behind it. I was praying for someone and I was saying recently and I was talking to someone I said somebody can fall down now and have a soul. Natural. The soul is supposed to heal within a couple of days. But you can see a spirit stand behind that soul and it will not heal. You say, ah, say this is just a soul. The thing is that something has found a backing behind it. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So, what am I trying to say? The all we are trying to say, what the Bible is teaching us this morning, is that you have so much control that you think. You have so much control that you think. Now, if it was not possible. Paul would not be calling Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5, he said, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, I hold you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. He said, for kings and those who are in authority. Why? Because you determine a lot of things. God has given us the grace and the privilege that we have been we have been able to since when the COVID started, God said we should start, start um, a prayer altar. So we've been doing it since I think it's over a year now. Um, every single day, Monday to um, Monday to Saturday, 
um, except Fridays, which is general prayers, and, um, and Sunday. And every single day. I know it got to a point, in fact, before the Italy issue happened, God was already saying to us, oh yeah, your prayers directed towards Italy. This and this and this and this and this. And that prayer altar went, you know, because what God was trying to do is that I want you to remain on that prayer altar. And later God said, no, pray for the economy, that the economy will not tank. And on a daily basis, we're praying for the economy and it's those things when we see uh, latest job figures that the economy is rising and things like that, we talk about on that prayer call, ah, this is what is happening, thank God. Once we see the numbers rising again, the dead number rising again, we stay again on the altar prayer. It doesn't mean that those at the offices should not be doing their job. But there has to be an altar of prayer. That's why he said, I hold you that you pray for those kings. At times, one of the challenges is that we spend more time causing them than to pray for them. God help us in Jesus' name. You know, that was a day, I'll just give you an example before we just move on, as we just move on. When they wanted to do, there were campus universities in Nigeria, campus, I don't think they're back now, there was satellite, at the time it was just that you can be studying in Ambuzali University and be, and be studying in Lagos. Then there was these satellites, campuses everywhere, and things like that. So, there were some of us then who were doing those kind of satellite universities. Then Nigeria, as normal, they woke up one morning and they said, all satellite campuses closed. All the certificates issued at that place is null and void. And you have people, now, for those who know, satellite campuses, when a course is like four years in, on campus, it's going to be like five years, because they count as part-time and things like that. So it's going to be like five years and things like that. We're like, what? That's how we start our prayers. Say, God, see, they are giving the dates. Now, there has to be two choices. Is either this person changes the policy or he leaves the office? He was, the fellow was, if I'm right, was almost come into effect on a Monday. They sacked him as a minister on Friday. Why? Because you understand that, see, the laws don't sit down there. They sit down on the altar of prayers. In my school, in my unit then, one thing that we were introducing, which you still have when we come, they said, we determine what happens on this campus in this, in, in, in this, in this auditorium. And it has happened so many times that certain things will be happening. It is on this altar of prayer that we will go to time it. So the Bible says here, it says, pray for kings and all those in authority. Um, let's go on, verse 3. So he says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Somebody said, how do I please God? Start on the altar of prayer. He said, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So what is he saying? That as you stand in the gap, God is able to to rescue those situations back. God is able to rescue those situations back. 
See, there is a reason why you are called a salt. Can you imagine now? This is, this is one of the problems. Can you imagine that you want to eat something? You want to eat. Somebody is cooking something for you. And they now pour salt in one side of that thing. All the salt in one side of that thing. What will happen? It will not be, you cannot eat it. That is how it is when Christians are all mushroomed in one area. God is calling you into music. God is calling to finance. God is calling you to... He's saying let the salt spread around rather than you pouring the salt in one place. Now the problem now is that everybody wants to... It is inside here that we all want to pour salt. We have now become like some part of the world where you have um, 15, type, um, 15 typists, two typewriters. You've never been to the devil, you don't do understand. <laughs> what would happen? And this is what I fear in the body of Christ. What happens is going to be the battle of the fittest rather than who is supposed to do the job. Because everybody, the salt, we are not pouring it in one place. Rather than pour encouraging people go and spread your own salt where God has called you. Is it at your workplace? Is it at is it at is it amongst your friends? Is it in every dimension? You may be a nurse, you may be a nurse and you are you, you are called by God. You will be as you are as you are spreading the, the, the salt you are praying for people who are sick. You are not just feeding them medication. And at times, for some of us, there's there somebody that was that has been praying about a particular thing for a long time, about their family. So I said to them, I said, I said, can I, I said if I tell you to do something, will you be able to do it? I said, I said, this prayer request that you're battling about, I said, leave it. I said, you take care of people medically. And things like that. I said, I want to start to pray for people and see how God will respond. All glory to God. Between less than a month, the response came. Because at times you are pouring all your salt in one place. And we are complaining how is it that people are finding the job tasteless? Because all the salt is in one place. There are some people that God has called and anointed to be chair cleaners. But no, how can I be in church for 50 years and be cleaning chairs? You know, I learned something from a very young age. There is a man I grew up to adore. His name is Kosho Gutala. You might not do it if you are not, if you are not, in some time, see. That man, he doesn't do anything. The way he carries his um, so incense, he polishes it. It's not that, it's not, it's not, there are some ones that you will see that has, is black one side, is, uh, you know, they don't care, they just, no, 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 you will see him that way. And see, when he's coming to do his job, it's as if he's coming to do a corporate... Military precise. 
a corporate is clothes is is so I don't know how you, you see you, you need to see him to know what I'm, what I'm talking about. He's not doing every other person. See, no matter as long as I was in Sunday and see that he, that is his job he has been doing. He hasn't graduated to go and I don't know, well, you know, since up to I knew him, he didn't graduate to do any other thing. And the, word, the little that I know is quite blessed financially. You know what I'm So it could have been someone that would say that, ah, you know, I can't come on the machine. You know, see, all I'm saying is that, please, don't let us, and I, and I hope that God will help us also as a church. You see, the person that opens the door is as important as the person preaching. Let them not open the door, come and see what you preach. But, and this is what I think the body of Christ does, and it makes other people feel that, you know, how can I be sweeping church for 50 years and I should be able to have graduated to do something else? But whereas that's what God called me to do. At times there are people that if, when, when the grace of God grows so much upon you as you're cleaning the chairs, when people are sitting on it, they're getting healed. That was... Somebody that then went on campus, so somebody was, somebody sent me a note and said, you know, I finally made a decision to give my life to Christ and to serve him and that, that, that. So she wrote her address and things like that. So we, we did visitation, so I went to visit her. So as I was talking to her, she was looking at me and she was saying, she, which was quite, you know, I appreciate her honesty and the way she spoke. So, Say you're talking as if I just started coming to you, to the church. He said, I knew when you came in. I said, okay. He said, he said, he said, he said you think it's your sermon that made me give my life to I said, no, I honestly, no, that's not what I think. He said, she said, I walked in. The church she had been coming for about three years or whatever because she did prelim and all those kind of stuff before she came into and she did science and so it was she, she was the, the time was quite long. She said when she came into church, she saw a decoration, a flower um, that was decorated. I said that that thing she could not get her eyes off it that she started crying, and God was saying if somebody can spend their time to do that for me. What benefit are you to me? That was what brought her to God. All the, believe in Jesus, believe in this, is not working. <laughs> it's not working. And there are people before me that are very anointed. It's not working. The thing that touched her life was that thing. If that person has said, ah, you know, I cannot be doing decoration in church. I should be doing something special. The day that person gets before God in heaven, God will ask you about that soul that was supposed to be touched by what you were doing. You know, since there will be identity crisis when we get to heaven, because God will call some people. 
I say, clean our body, I did it. Say, no, 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 no. No, not me, sir. I'm a pastor. Cleaner. That's, that's your record here. Is cleaner's job. So we can see that you cleaned for a week and you have now, we don't know where you are. I'm in church. I was the one preaching. Do you know why? If you stay on that preaching, what will happen is that. There's somebody in the church that God has called to do that job. But because you are more stronger, you have shut that person down. And when God is going to award, God is going to award you and say, well, we cannot award you for one week out of the 50 years you spent in church because that is the only time you cleaned. So, that's why the Bible says that people's work will go out in flames. He didn't say they will not walk. He said that walk will go out in flames. It will just go like that. Because once you come before God, He only judges you based on what He sent you, not what you think He sent you to do. And please don't allow anybody to make you feel less that you are abandoning the little thing that God is doing and you're now running to do something else that He hasn't called you to do. One concern I have about God at times. God is a very good businessman. If you give him free labor, he will take it. So if you do his job, that doesn't mean he's going to, he's going to reward you based on it. Because that job has to be done anyway. You, the reason why, why you are doing it, you are allowing somebody else supposed to be doing it, not doing it. So you might as well take it and, and do it. But when you get before him, you say, well, this is what I said you to do. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I'm spending so much time. Um, Hallelujah. So, as we spread our salt around, as we spread our salt around, but you see, all of you say, wherever God has called you, even in your family, at least God has called you into a family, God has called you into a nation. The Bible says in, the Bible says in Daniel, sorry, Daniel chapter 10, he talks to us about about the fact that Daniel decided to start to pray unto God because of his of, of his um, because of his nation. Daniel prayed, and an angel responded to the prayers of Daniel as he was praying to get understanding upon about his nation. You know, when you just go to that verse. Um, 14. He said, he said, now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. And the vision concerns the time yet to come. For the vision concerns the time yet to come. So basically what I'm saying is this. As you dedicate your will to the place that God has called you, the church, the people around you, you will discover that certain things will begin to happen also in your own life. You will see also in the Tyronometer, sorry, um, um, Exodus 34 tells us that when Moses was on the mountain praying for 40 days, his eyes became so, um, was, was glowing that people could not see. But I was wondering, what did, so what was Moses doing when that thing happened to him? The, the Tyronometer chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that it says, now I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights as I did at the first time. 
And the Lord listened to me at this time also. It was, it, it, it was not his will to destroy you. So basically what he's saying, when I went to the mountain to go and pray, I was actually praying for the people of Israel. And as a result, that's why Jesus said, when the salt does not become salty again, when the salt loses its purpose, the reason why a salt is, 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 is worthwhile is because it is doing its purpose. So what I got here was that as, as he was praying, seeking the face of God, concerning the situations of things around him, of his people, God began to change in also his own glory. God began to change also his own glory. You will see this also in Job. This scripture will always, you know, it's always quite interesting to me. Job chapter 42, verse 10, I believe. You know, the, the Bible says, after Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortune. So when Job was saying, I will stand and intercede for these people. God used that to turn his own story around. You know, Jeremiah chapter 29, we can go on and Jeremiah 29 verse 7. He said, and I'm just saying this so that, you know, Job was the poor person. His friends were rich. But Job yet was a determinant. You will see Jeremiah 29, verse 7. He said, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you as an into exile. Basically, they were slaves. God now said, Pray for it. So that means that even though you are slaves in that place, that still doesn't change that you are the one that determines if that land prospers or not. You will see this also about. Joseph. Um, Genesis 39 verse 5. He says, from the, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian household because of Joseph. Who was Joseph? A slave. But yet, a slave could change Influence what was happening around. What am I trying to lay emphasis on is this. Don't allow your present situation to make you think you cannot change what is around you. Don't allow your present condition or the prayers I've been praying that seems like it's not. Don't allow that to make you think. See, you know, I don't want to pray, but you know, I've been praying for other people. What has happened to my home? No, the, that is what the, the attack is to make sure that you don't. You give up on it. See, God would answer every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. I used to wonder when I hear about about um, um, Ulukoya. Do you know that for 
about 20 years or 34 or 20, 20 to 30 years, if I'm right, of their marriage, they were childless. And they were leading MFN. People were dedicating children yearly. <laughs> what are you going to say? Can you imagine? I don't even know. You see, I don't know when I read this you know, people will be in their in their hundreds when they do yearly child dedication. And you will stand and pray for them. Some people will have said, you know, this thing doesn't make sense. And the day he was good dedicate his child, you know, it was about the way that came to dedicate the child. Because he was so, you know, he was, and after that, baby got to, but it was as if, it was as if, I don't know, it's, it's, you can't explain it. But what God was, what I saw in his life was that, don't think that your situation. See, those thousands of people, you are a determinant to see that they succeed. And that is what devil did when he, when, when Joseph was seeing himself that he would become the ruler and the way forward is to go to prison and become a slave. It is for him to think that I don't think I can make it. You need to see how, what, what sense does it make when the dream that you had and you have interpretation and somebody now came to you to tell you a dream about how they are going to succeed. You now interpreted it to them. And the next morning, they happened. Your own has been for, <laughs> you know, I don't know how Joseph was feeling. They would be like, You know, people say, ah, that man, when I met him, he touched my life. And Jesus would be like, but I'm still here. It was just the devil trying to make sure that he makes sure that at the end of the he will so much lose confidence in himself that he cannot influence situations again. And that is what I'm trying to, that is what we are trying to point out here today is that you determine, no matter what happens, you are still the determinant factor. I will read this scripture to us, James chapter 5. I will read it in the Amplified. The Bible says, Therefore confess your sins to one another, your false step offense, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. He now said, the heartfelt, persistent. That means this kind of prayer, this re the resistance we are talking about may not happen in a second. But he said, the persistent prayer of a righteous man, bracket believer, accomplished much. He now, I now highlighted this part. When put into action, Made effective by God, it is dynamic and tremendous and can have tremendous power. But he said, when it is put into action, 
there is a lot happening in the land. Everybody may be shouting, but God is waiting on the church to act. There might be situations in your family or your generation or your, what's it called, you know, but God is saying, no, 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 don't, it is you that will act. And that is where I believe God is drawing, trying to raise, arise and shine for your light has come. You have the grace and the opportunity to change situations. If only we will be persistent on our altar of prayer. And I'll end it, end it from where I started. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It doesn't matter. It is, it is like a yeast. It doesn't matter how big the flower is. The yeast will still find its way through every aspect of it. We're going to sing a hymn that says, Olua Awamoradi. Lati Bumwe Bewasi. Gege Bioti Bo Adura Elijah Bo Adura. Elijah was just a man. The Bible says in, 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 in um, James, Elijah is a man like you and me. He prayed. And the whole nation came under God. We are more than one. We are more than two. We are even more than Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.